0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Aghyeh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia.
1: Lessons
0: in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg
2: So up until now, the first eight chapters, first the Altarebbe explain what is the essence of the godly soul. Then he explained what is the internal kachot, the internal faculties of the soul, its intellect, its emotion. And then he explained what are the expressions of the soul, the levushim, the external expressions, thought, speech, and action of the godly soul, which is thoughts of Torah, speech of Torah, and, 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 and mitzvot. Then he explained the essence of the animal soul, in the natural soul, and he explained its kachot panimim, its inner faculties, its intellect and its emotions, and he explained the expressions of of the animal soul. And just like in the godly soul, that although the, the godly soul, its essence is godly, it's divine, but nevertheless, through the Torah and the mitzvahs, through the external expressions, through thought, speech, and action, of thinking Torah and speaking Torah and doing mitzvahs, you elevate the soul to a place that the soul can never have achieved on its own. That the mitzvah elevate the soul and connect it to Hashem in a way that the soul, even though the soul in its own right is connected to Hashem, but the levushim, the expressions, elevate the soul to a higher level. The same is true with the animal soul, the ego, that although the ego is already klipa, it's already a shell, a distortion, the other side, it's already impure, but nevertheless, when a person actually indulges and thinks and speaks and acts um, and, express, and expresses his, um, his, his, his animal soul, it brings a level of impurity to the soul even greater than the, than, the, than the soul in its own right. So that was the discussion in the last eight chapters. And now he begins to discuss where is the location of these two souls? Where are these two souls located within the person? Where are they centered within the person? He just spoke in general about the soul itself. Now he's coming back to the person. So where are these two souls located within the person? Where is the center of these two souls? Where is the headquarters? Where are they headquartered?
0: Nahar.
2: We have two souls. Two souls. Oh, two places. Two souls. So there's two, two,
0: two places, right. In the previous chapters, the Altarevi elaborated on the composition of the Jew's Divine Soul with its ten holy soul powers and three soul garments, and his animal soul with its corresponding ten powers and three garments, originating in Klipah. In the present chapter, the Altarevi will discuss the battle fought within the Jew between these two souls. The abode of the animal soul derived from Klipa Noga in every Jew, i.e. the place where the animal soul, Nefesh Haba resides and is most manifest is in the heart for as mentioned in previous chapters the animal soul is predominantly emotional and the heart is the seat of emotion so
2: although the animal soul also has intellect but which one comes first what comes first is the heart the emotions a person has a passion a desire for good things attracted to good things to pleasure to materialistic things then, that leads to the mind. Then comes the rationalizations, the, expl- the, the cunning, how am I going to get what I want? But you don't have to create a desire, an attraction to materialism. It comes natural. It's instinctive. Everyone is born with it. You want instant pleasure and you want instant gratification and anything that's pleasurable and tasty and fun. and That you don't have to work on. That's emotional. The emotions the desire that comes naturally. So that's the foundation. That's the headquarters. That's where the soul is manifest. The animal soul, the ego, is manifest in the heart, in the passions, in the instincts, in the urges, in, in the desires.
0: More specifically, the abode of the animal soul is in the left ventricle, as it is filled with blood and it is written, but the blood is the soul, nefesh indicating that the soul resides in the ventricle filled with blood, the left ventricle.
2: How the heart functions. So the left side pumps the blood, and then it goes also to the right side. But the 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 right side is where you add the oxygen. The left side is where it's filled with blood. So he said earlier, he said in Chapter 1, that, that the person... Uh, the person's soul, animal soul, is in the blood. The desire to live, the passion to live, the urge to live, the urge to continue your existence. Self-preservation, ego, the drive to continue. That's, that's the blood. The hot, passionate, uh, hot-blooded, passionate desire for life, love of life and love of everything that comes with life and to experience and to live. So that's all in the blood. And where is the blood pumped through the whole body? The blood is pumped through the whole body through the heart, and especially, specifically, the left side of the heart. That's why you say the left side, that's where the Yetzirah is. That's why you say, a shamna, when you hit, when you sin, you hit, you hit the left chest. You're hitting the left heart, the left chest. You're trying to say that it was a crime of passion. I sinned, because it was a moment of insanity, of crime of passion. I lost my mind because I was caught up in the moment. It was not a premeditated crime. It was not a. It was a crime of passion. I got I got swept away in, in, in the moment. Um, there's a famous story with the Alter Rebbe. One of the Hasidim. His name was uh, Abikasiel Lepler. He came to the Alter Rebbe and he says, Rebbe, he says, Hakmer up the I chop off, chop away my left side. He couldn't deal with his hard, He couldn't deal with his urges and instincts and passion. He says, yeah, get rid of my... So the Altarev closed his eyes and he says, it says, that you give life to everyone. So, Hashem should give you life also. And that's it. His Yitzhar never bothered him again. But... <laughs> We don't have it that easy, <laughs> <be so> easy. <laughs> right? <laughs> but he meant it sincerely. Also, it was a cry from from the bottom of his heart. He says, "Rebbe, la up the linkah huh? That's That's right. Yeah, umka <handiran> deliver was from the depth of his heart. After ever responded, if we would cry like that sincerely, I'm sure Hashem would also respond. <laughs> this is the source of the animal soul.
0: Because the animal soul resides in the heart, therefore all lust and boasting and anger and similar passions are in the heart. See, it follows a sequence. First, you lust. You lust. Then you boast about it.
2: Then you get angry if you can't if you can't get it. <laughs> if you can't get what you want, you get angry. Um, a person who's not filled with lust doesn't get angry so quickly. A person who wants so many things and something gets in the way, he gets angry. How dear you know, you, you got in the way. The person who is not so attached to his desires, and it doesn't have such a powerful ego, and, and so I didn't get what I want, so it's not the end of the world. But the stronger, the more passionate you are, the more lustful you are, the more, you know, if, if, you, if you're deprived of it, you feel you, it, it evokes anger. So, Thaivus, Hispirus, and kas, and similar passions, are
0: all in the heart. And from the heart they spread? throughout the entire body, rising also to the brain and the head, to think and meditate about them and to become cunning in them. So the blood circulates throughout the whole body.
2: There's also blood that also also goes to the brain. You know, a stroke patient, the blood can't reach the brain, the brain... So, but it's, he says it's elevated to the head because the blood that goes to the brain is very thin. It's, the blood is thinned out. It's very the refined part of the blood, the most finest part of the blood goes to the head so although the blood circulates throughout the whole body but the blood that that, that, that goes to the brain is finer than the blood that goes to the rest of the body so although everything generates from the heart the heart is the engine that motivates and drives and leads a person to act and to and ulti- but also it also is the engine that leads a person to think because ultimately you have to engage your mind. Now that you have a lust or you have a passion, a person has a passion for hung, uh, hunger for money or for power or for fame, whatever it is, now your mind has to figure out, you have to use your cunning. Okay, how am I going to get there? How do I accomplish this? How do I achieve this? So the brain is a result of the heart, but he says it goes up to the brain. Because although the engine is the heart, but when it goes up to the brain, the brain is more refined than the heart. See, even when you're using your mind just as a means to, to fulfill the desire of your heart, to rationalize it or to figure out a way how to accomplish your lust, but nevertheless, it's, it's on a refined level. So that's what he says, it goes, up, it goes up to the heart, to the brain, goes up to the
0: brain. Similarly, the soul, nefesh, clothed in the blood, abides in the heart and spreads out from there to pervade one's entire body. Thus, in the case of the animal soul, the brain, the intellectual faculties too, instead of motivating the heart and guiding it, merely reacts to it and serves only as a clever tool for realizing the passions of the heart. But the abode of the divine soul is in the brains that are in the head and from there it extends to all the limbs. The divine soul is is essentially intellective, and the brain is the seat of intellect. (laughs) The headquarters
2: for the godly soul is the mind, awareness. Without awareness, there's nothing. The godly soul does not come natural or instinctive. It comes with education. That's why when does the godly soul enter into a person's life? really enter into a person's life, make this grand, grand entry at the age of Bar Mitzvah or Bas When the child reaches puberty, maturity, that's when the, person, the mind opens up. You start becoming aware. You start sensing things that are intangible. You start asking the big questions. Why? And why am I here? And how do I fit in? And what's the purpose? That's the beginning of adolescence. When your mind opens up, when you start inquiring, you become inquisitive, and you start figuring out realities that are, that are not tangible. So the godly soul only comes about through education. It doesn't come naturally. It comes through effort, through hard work, through thought, through meditation, through reflection, awareness, unlike the animal soul. The animal soul comes to, uh, comes to being the moment you're born. You're born with your hot-blooded and passionate and selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed and fun and instant gratification. That all comes naturally and instinctively from day one. You don't have to acquire it. You don't have to learn it. It's natural. Ego is natural. It's the most natural thing in the world. But to sense godliness, that's effort. That's awareness. That's hitbonunut. You have to sit and reflect. You have to sit and think. You have to focus. You have to concentrate. You have to realize. You have to become aware. Awareness. Without awareness, nothing happens. And it's effort. So the, the seat, the headquarters of the godly soul is the brain, the mind. Because that's the seed of awareness, of consciousness. Higher levels of consciousness, but it's all, it's all the awareness. When you have awareness, then, then, that could lead to the next level, which is the heart. You can develop a sense of feeling, an attraction, a connection. But without awareness, nothing happens.
0: The Divine Soul resides also in the heart, in the right ventricle where there is no blood. As it is written, the heart of the wise man, i.e. the divine soul, in contrast with the animal soul, specifically, the evil inclination, the Yitzhahara, which is described as an old fool, is on his right. Yes,
2: so he's saying not only not only is the headquarters of the godly soul, the brain, and from it it generates life to the whole body, but the heart is also the seat of the headquarters of the, of the divine soul. And, and he'll explain, he says, because the divine soul, it's not just philosophy or intellect or understanding, it's, it's more feeling than it is understanding. It, it's, it's a very deep awareness, it's a very deep level of knowing, it's, it's, it's almost like recognition. When you recognize something, when you sense something. When you feel it, you have a feel for it. Godliness is something undefined, something intangible. It's, very, it's not something physical or defined or mathematical. Godliness is something that it's, it's, it touches you very deeply. Something stirs inside of you. It moves you. It inspires you. It changes you. It affects you. So the heart is very much the seat of the godly soul, the headquarters of the godly soul. It's not just the, the brain, but also the heart and more so even the, the inner part of the heart, the inner heart, because it's all its feeling. It's not just emotional touchy-feely, it, it's, it's a deep feeling. It's a feeling that's that all-encompassing when you sense something, when you feel something. It's not just understanding godliness. It's not, like a, it's not like a mathematical equation. Understanding God is not like understanding a piece of math, algebra. It, it's ge- having a feel for it. Because you, you, you're talking about something infinite, something undefined, something godly. It's something that, that e- evokes a response from within you. Something stirs inside your soul. So the seat of the godly soul is the heart. It's not just the brain. So the headquarters of the godly soul is the brain together with the heart.
0: Don't we have some uh, an English expression to know something in the heart? Is there an expression
2: like that? Interesting in English, in, in Hebrew, in Hebrew, yeah, in Hebrew, well, in yeah, in Hebrew English, definitely.
0: English. In English, know
2: something in the heart. Well, okay. In Hebrew, we find that because real knowing, bina liba, to understand, is the heart. Because really, the heart knows. When you really know something, it's not just knowing it intellectually, abstractly. It's like you know it internally. You know it with, with every fiber of your being, every bone in your body. So it's, you know it. In your inner heart, you know it. You feel it. So the heart is, is also a headquarters, also a source, a center. It's not just a, an extension of the brain. But he says it starts in the brain. Because without awareness, nothing happens. Without knowledge, without education, without awareness, without reflection, focus, meditation, concentration, is brainness, nothing happens. That's the whole foundation of the Chabad Chassidus, Chabad Movement. The whole foundation of Chabad is it has to be Chabad. Chachma bin adaz. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Awareness, awareness, awareness. Awareness, focus, his bayliness, concentration. Without learning, and without studying, and without thinking about it, and without reflecting, internalizing it, integrating it, and concentrating on it, nothing happens. You can't get to, 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 to level two. But once you have the awareness, then it evokes a response in your heart. And then your heart becomes. Also, a source, because the godly soul is really all heart—not su- the superficial level of the heart, but the inner level of the heart. It's all feeling. It's it's, it's feeling. You know, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, of Shalom Rebbe Sham, met Freud because he was complaining he had, he had he had big big headaches and and. Um, Freud told him that he suffers from a very deep, deep illness. His mind understands more than his heart could contain. And his heart feels more than his mind can possibly grasp. It's a very deep illness. (laughs) So, by the godly soul, the mind is the center and the heart is the center. The mind understands things that is beyond... You know, you understand the undefined, the infinite, and your mind begins to intimate and to grasp things that are beyond. And your heart feels more than the mind can possibly understand. So, it's, it's, so you have two centers of, of the godly soul,' it's two centers, which it operates from and which it flows to the rest of the body. So the brain, the mind, that's first and foremost, because that's awareness, education. But then that evokes and stirs something inside the heart, and then from the heart, that leads to the rest, to the rest of the body. Because the right, the right side of the heart, the right side of the heart is where the oxygen flows and is mixed with the blood. Oxygen that comes from the brain, the lungs comes from the brain. So that's the influence of the brain and the heart. In other words, a part of the heart, the emotions that are, that are evoked as a result of awareness and consciousness. Not like the ego emotions. Ego emotions come on their own. They're natural, instinctive. Doesn't need any intellectual support. On the contrary, the intellect comes to rationalize those emotions. First, you have a lust, and then you come and rationalize it, and explain it, and find excuses, and you figure. And then your mind becomes cunning. You become very cunning. How am I gonna? How am I gonna obtain this passion and this lust and this desire? But the godly soul is the opposite. First comes the awareness, and the awareness evokes the feeling, stirs something in your soul very deep down inside your soul, it evokes a response. And then these two become the centers, the headquarters, the centers that lead lead and influence the whole body, the whole person. It encompasses the whole person, that your hands and your legs and all your limbs should express this divine and godly truth. Did
1: we know it that, uh, before. We see in Bereshit that uh, the first crime was uh, created. Uh, I think Rashi is saying... Uh, he wounded him a lot of time. And the reason is because he, he, he was looking where is where is uh, this place that, uh, that uh, he can kill him. He didn't know where to kill him. So he, he wounded him all over. So he was looking for the soul.
2: Yeah, looking for...
1: But today it's simple, it's the head and the... Heart. The heart, everybody knows. Uh, it's something either here or there, but... Uh, uh,
2: the First one, he had no no uh, no. He couldn't go to the library to check it out. Yeah, it was the first, uh, first. You're right. You're right. He had no idea where the seat of yeah. Yeah, he hit him all over. It was and now you know, right? You hit him in the head. You hit him in the heart, and, and it's, it's all over.
0: As he did when speaking of the animal soul, the Rebbe again singles out the heart from among all the other organs. Having said that the divine soul extends to all the organs, he mentions the heart specifically, and also in the heart. For unlike the other organs in which merely the extension of the divine soul is manifest, in the heart, the divine soul itself, i.e. the emotional faculties, is revealed. The author Revi now goes on to explain this point. This revelation in the heart of the divine soul, residing in the brain, is man's fiery love towards Hashem which flares up in the heart of discerning men who utilize their power of kohma, who understand and reflect with their faculty of Dina, understanding, by which they understand the matter in all its details and ramifications, with the knowledge of their brain, i.e. with their faculty of dhāk, knowledge, by which they immerse themselves and sensitize themselves in that which they understand. Thus, the love flares up in the hearts of those who utilize All three faculties of Kachma,
2: Bina, and... So uh, he mentions all three things. His firstly is Lev Maskilim. Maskil represents the creative ability in a person. The initial understanding, the spark, the point. Then comes Bina. Bina is dissecting it, understanding it in detail, understanding it well until you have a handle on, on it. You can articulate it. And then comes the most important element, the most critical ingredient is Das. Das is immersion. Das is focus, concentration, connecting, connecting with it, internalizing it, personalizing it. It's like making it your own. And when you have Das, then it comes alive in your heart. That's the connection between the mind, the intellect, and the heart. Because um, only then the, the, do you feel a personal attraction, do you feel a love. That that evokes a love. It's like the famous story with the, um, the person who couldn't read, and he went to the Muhammad, the teacher, to read for him. And the teacher is reading that uh, your father was very ill, and he starts crying, and then he continues to read, and then your father dies, and he's, he's, he's you know, he's he's ready to faint, and he's yelling and screaming, and the teacher is reading this letter very cold-bloodedly, and He's going on indifferent to the information, and the passerby says, "I don't understand, I don't get it." He is knowledgeable. He is the scholar. He understands what he's reading, yet he's cold-blooded. The ignoramus. Who doesn't understand what he's reading. He's getting all excited. He says, why don't you understand? This is his father. This is not his father. What does he care? That's what das is. You can learn and you can understand. And scholarly. But it's remote. It's abstract. What does that have to do with me? You don't personalize it. You don't internalize it. But if it's your father. If you take it personally. It's take it to heart. It's me you're talking about. It's my life. Then then you, you, you respond. Respond. So that's Das. Das is connecting it making it your own. Personalizing. Internalizing. It, immersing yourself in it. Until, until you personalize it and become your own, then you feel an attraction. Then you feel a love. Or you repulse. Fear. A dread. Awe. So Das is the connector. Das is the one that brings it close to home. And when you bring it close to home, that's when the heart comes alive. That's when the heart responds. As long as it's intellectual, it's abstract, it's very cold, there's nothing to do with me. It's, 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 it's. But when you bring it close to home, then the heart gets excited. Then the heart starts racing.
0: We utilize all three faculties of cough Mabina, and Das on matters that arouse this love, i.e., in the contemplation of Hashem's greatness, as the Altar Rebbe will soon conclude. For, as explained in the third chapter, understanding the greatness of Hashem leads one to love Him. This love, then, is one example of the divine soul's reaching from the brain into the heart. Similarly, another deeper way in which the heart's emotion gives expression to the presence of the divine soul in the brain. The gladness of the heart at apprehending the beauty of Hashem and the majesty of its glory.
2: Like when you look at a beautiful painting, you ever go to the museum? museum down on 83rd Street? You know that museum? When you look at a beautiful, beautiful painting you just get lost in the painting you just you're just just looking at its beauty just you respond to it your heart can't help but respond you're looking at something beautiful you're looking at the seven wonders of the world when you're standing at the niagara falls or you're just looking at the seven wonders of the world you just can't help but but respond just just the beauty of it fills your heart um, so too when a person when a person through his mind is awareness Looks very deeply on Godliness. Not only does he understand Godliness, but then he like looks at it like he's looking at a beautiful picture. When he sees the whole picture, after he understands it in all its detail, and then he just looks at it like looking at a breathtaking, breathtaking landscape, breathtaking view, breathtaking picture. Just the beauty of it just captivates you. It just, it just, it just captivates. So when you look at godliness and you see God's infinite and you see how God creates all the worlds and the, all the angels are praising God and and the whole concept that God creates the world every moment and the divine energy is a constant flow of the divine energy energy is constantly creating the world. And 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 the more you understand and then you look at the whole picture, you'll just look at the at it, it's like looking at a picture, like standing back and looking at this beautiful picture, it just grabs you. you just captivated by it. Your heart is just overflowed with, with, with emotion. Just by experience, it becomes an experience. You're experiencing the beauty of God You're captured, you're captivated by it. And it, it affects you very deeply. It affects your heart. Your heart just overflows with emotion. And that's a very high level for a person to be able to reach such a level of awareness that all your life is as if you're looking, not just looking, it's like steering, it's like, it's like deeply absorbed. It's like getting lost in a picture, being absorbed by the painting, by the beautiful painting. So much so you forget about yourself, you're just absorbed by, by that. It becomes an experience. You forget about yourself and your heart is just overwhelmed, overflowing with emotions, powerful emotions. So a person who looks is able to look at godliness and see godliness. See beneath the shell, beyond the shell, beyond the surface. Most people don't see. Most people are blind, are deaf and dumb, spiritually blind, deaf and dumb. We don't see anything, we don't hear anything, we don't sense anything. But the moment you remove your blinders and you open your mind and you open your, your eye, your internal eye, and you begin to see, to appreciate, and you begin to sense, and you begin to realize the all-encompassing reality of godliness and how the divine energy fills all the worlds and creates all the worlds and God's infinite essence And you're able to look at it and see it and get lost in that picture. It's like two doves, you know, doves, they just stare at each other. They just stare very deeply into each other's eyes. It's like two two lovers, you look at each other, husband and wife, you're just looking at each other very deeply. It's a very powerful, powerful experience. Just looking directly into, into the eyes so just being able to to look very deeply and look and and look very deeply into the soul and to see hashem and to see hashem's infinite infinite essence and to be able to look at it it's a very very powerful experience and that evokes a, a feeling in the heart a joy a gladness just admiring the beauty and the majesty of hashem's glory
0: the gladness that is aroused when the Divine Soul's intellect, which the Alta borrowing a phrase from Kohailet, describes as the wise man's eyes which are in his head, meaning in the brain, harboring his wisdom and understanding. When these eyes, i.e., intellectual faculties, gain intently at the glory of the King and the beauty of His unfathomable, infinite and boundless greatness, then the heart rejoices and is glad as is explained elsewhere. Gazing with the mind's eye means that one not only understands the greatness of Hashem, but also perceives it as though seeing it with his very eyes. Such perception arouses great joy in one's heart, and this joy, like the love spoken of earlier, is a direct result and a manifestation of the intellect of the Divine Soul residing in the brain. Similarly, the other holy emotions in the heart too, such as fear of Hashem and the like, originate from the Chabad, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, in the brains.
2: This until I discuss the love of Hashem, but you also have the fear of Hashem, where you have the trembling before Hashem. You know, it's, it's hard for us to relate to this concept, because thank God we live in a free country. <laughs> I guess if you were a Jew living in Russia, uh, the whole concept of fear and trembling was a, was a daily occurrence. Every time you saw a policeman, you, you would shudder. So to extrapolate that, to fear Hashem and to tremble before Hashem, was actually an easy concept. But today we live in an open world, in a free world. Everything today is done with love. The emphasis is on love. So we can relate more to the concept of love, a loving God, and, but there's also the concept of fear, the concept of awe. So much so that sometimes you tremble. I'm sure when you were describing earlier when the missiles were flying over your head, it gave a good tzitter, uh, gave a good uh, shake, a good tremble. Um, because there's fear in this fear. There is fear that's abstract, it's in the head. It's distant. But then when the fear hits home, you, you, you physically shake, like you're, you're trembling. Because you know it's, it, it, it hits home, it means it's in the heart, it's not just in the mind. So it starts with the mind. The awareness of the greatness of Hashem, overwhelming greatness of Hashem. When you realize you're standing in the presence of greatness, when you're standing in the presence of greatness, you feel in awe. When you stood in the presence of the Rebbe, you felt, felt the awe because you, you, you know, you. There's just that feeling of pachad. You're standing in the presence of, of a king. You're standing in the presence of greatness. You feel like a, <laughs> you feel you feel like like nothing in the presence and um it's very hard actually to feel that today you know with everything whatever it is but there's nothing like when you're physically standing right next to the when you're physically standing right next to the but you feel a certain presence and a certain feeling that it's very difficult to feel if you don't see it if you don't experience it physically and it's more abstract it's in the mind it's in the head it's not in the heart but when it's physical and you're there, you you you, you can you literally you feel awe, and so from the mind it leads to the heart, from a, from an awareness of the mind that ultimately leads to pachad Hashem. You feel trembling before Hashem, You feel the awe of Hashem. Um, you know, the Alta Rebbe, the author of the Tanya, once he once complained. He says he says you know my understanding of the deepest secrets of Hasidus is you know, it says Baruch Hashem, Hashem help me, I understand the highest levels. But Rabbi Anapal, the the my colleague he understands the smallest level of Hashem and he already is filled with fear of Hashem. And the after said that, he started shaking. And <laughs> the and, you know, I think it was the And The Valshemtor used to daven. So when he would shake and davening, everything would shake with him. The, the shtend that he held on would start shaking. And, and anyone that was touching anything that he touched. Because the fear, the trembling before Hashem's presence, Hashem's presence was so real, was so palpable, it was such a reality that, that you physically felt it. It wasn't just intellectual, abstract. There's a story with the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. One time, they saw he drank he drank a lot of Lachaim, the ninety-six, the real, the real vodka, pure 90, 90, 96 proof. Sadam. And he drank cups and cups of it, and he was he was
1: airborne. what airborne? Airborne. He was in a,
2: you know in a great mood. And then they saw he goes home. And they looked, they peeked into his room. What's he doing? He's studying the mother. I took like out a mother and spent all night studying the mother. And they asked him, how is it possible? As he says, the mother says that if a person drinks a lot of wine, if you tremble, it will remove if a person is drunk or a person drinks a lot. If you if you suddenly have a fear, and you tremble, it removes it removes the hangover, removes the whole effect of the of the vodka, of the intoxication. So what happens is he put his hand over his head and he thought about the greatness of Hashem, Yirat Hashem, and suddenly he felt such a trembling before Hashem that the whole effect sobered him, Sober him up in one second. It was all it was all over. So there is that concept of. There is a concept of Pachad Hashem, Yirat Hashem. Just like you have the concept of Havas Hashem, love of Hashem, which also has to be palpable in your heart. The loves he was describing here are not, are not abstract loves. These are very palpable loves. A love you feel in your heart.
1: There is another story also with the Rayaz. It six uh, Rebbe Rubavitch. When uh, when he was in Europe with the bombs, so I heard that uh, when the bombs were falling all the night, he started trembling. So they asked, how 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 come you're, you're trembling? You said the the brain uh, is uh, is
2: uh, mind a matter.
1: Yeah. So he said uh, it's it's not uh, it's. It's the instinct of the, the body. The body. It's not. The, it's nothing to do with uh, this relation.
2: Yeah, that was. Uh, you have to understand the context. The this was in uh, when the when the Nazis invaded Warsaw, yes. they bombed Warsaw. When they bombed apartment buildings, cities, just bombed from planes, just landing bombs, and people were dying right, left, and center. And the bomb landed right next to the to the previous rebbe. Miraculously, the previous rebbe was not hurt. So no one attached. To it, no one connected with him was hurt. And but you can imagine the terrifying, the terror. It's beyond human description. He says when the bomb fell, I think it was on Rosh Hashanah actually. And the previous rebbe's hands shook, trembled. But he didn't leave. Told everyone to stay to continue davening. He didn't leave. And they asked him. He says his mind over matter. He says, yeah, but the body just instinctively just responds. You know, you can't uh, you can't control that." Um, but he refused to leave and he stayed. And uh, miraculously, he was actually saved through the Nazis. The Nazis themselves saved him through the lion's den. The Nazi secret service was sent on a mission to save the previous rebellion. And they had to smuggle him through the SS. The SS had no idea what was going on. And they smuggled him through Germany. In the lion's den, the Nazis themselves saved the previous Rebbe. I mean, it's just such a stunning miracle. The enemy themselves saved the previous Rebbe, and they connivingly snuck him, smuggled him through the SS. There was actually one point where it got very sticky. The SS stopped him. They see a whole entourage, a Rebbe with a whole bunch of Hasidim. He says, where where are you going? They stopped the German who was escorting them from this uh, Nazi secret service. And he couldn't tell them his mission because they, they were in control and they would never agree. They would have shot them all right on the spot. And, and he really didn't have any authorization. The whole thing was clandestine. He starts yelling back at the, how dare you challenge me. It was all, and he says, he says I'm going to have you arrested if you don't let me go. I'm going to call, 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 you know, call Berlin. And his, his arrogance, his Nazi arrogance and his chutzpah like, won the day. The guy got all intimidated and he says, okay, go through. Even he it, it made no sense to him well what are you, what are you, are we taking all these he says I have to take them straight to Berlin and then it's under my personal charge, but uh, it was a terrifying and ironically, the previous paper doesn 't write anything about it or we don 't have what he wrote about. it, it was a Nazi secret service uh, or whatever the Nazi no. agent, not Nazi I forget exactly what their like like their CIA or whatever um because they still had good relations with America. It was before America declared war against Nazi Germany. This was 1939. So
0: they had pressure from America?
2: So, the, so the, yeah, there was a lot of pressure in America, and America put pressure. The American head of the State Department was friendly with the head of the, the Nazi, uh, and he asked him to do what he can. But the problem was they couldn't even find the previous rep. He went to Warsaw. Can you imagine Nazis knocking on doors saying, where's the Rebbe? <laughs> <laughs> Which Jew is going to tell him where the Rebbe is. A Nazi looking for the Rebbe, you know, they want to shoot him. So for months he couldn't even get them because it, they didn't trust him. And he tried desperately to get words, I'm here to help you, I'm, not, I'm here to save you, I'm not here to... Finally, months later, you know, the previous Rebbe says, okay, let them come in, they came in and they... You know, and they pushed them all against the wall and, and they said, you know, we're, we're, gonna, here, we're here to save you, we're not here to... And the one who did it was actually a Mischling, was actually a... His father was Jewish, his mother wasn't. I think he even spoke Yiddish. And the P.V.C. Rebbe asked him at one point, why are you doing this?
0: Like,
2: why... Why, why are you a Nazi German saving, saving, saving me, saving our lives? And... Um, it was a miracle of miracles, you know unspoken miracle. but the, 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 the terror was indescribable. We can't even imagine what, what it was like for, for days and weeks they bombed the cities, planes, just bombing. Imagine here, just bombing cities and blocks and, and buildings and day in day out. and, and it, it's, it, the terror people, it's beyond human description. So the previous rabbi, the bomb fell; his hand shook. I mean, thank God, it's hard for us to relate to terror and fear, and we should never know from it. I guess nine eleven, we got a little taste of what fear and terror is all about. Uh, we were all here, and we all remember. We'll never forget that day in New York. Um, but it's important, a Jew needs to have, just like a Jew has to have love of Hashem, a Jew also has to have fear and awe of Hashem. You have to feel Hashem's presence, that it gives you a certain sense of awe, a certain sense of, um, of reality. So these, all these holy emotions, these holy emotions, the sense of attraction to Hashem, connection to Hashem, and love of Hashem, and sense of the beauty of Hashem, and the sense of the awe of Hashem's presence when you're standing in Hashem's perfect presence, Hashem's infinite presence, and we, as insignificant as we are, we're standing in Hashem's presence, and you feel how insignificant you are when you're standing in the presence of Hashem. All of this is a result of awareness. So that's why the uh, the godly soul originates in the brain, in the mind, and then from that there, from consciousness, it, it leads leads to the heart that evokes stirs up and a response in the heart and these two become the headquarters for the rest of the body and from there at least the rest of the body that the hands and the feet and the legs and all 248 limbs should do exactly what the godly soul wants it to do that it should be filled with Torah and be filled with mitzvot so now we figured out where they are location geography we know where the godly soul is headquartered, and we know where the animal soul, the ego, is headquartered. Ego is headquartered in the left side of the heart. right? But Sian, maybe you can help us understand this part. How does the heart work? He says the left ventricle is filled with blood, but there's blood on the right side also. No, The, blood's, the blood circulates. It's a pump, and the right side is
0: purely receptive the left side is really, it's more muscular and that's what generates the force for your blood to get through the bottom of your feet, to your head. But one circuit is just passive return. The other side is active. The active pushing comes from the left side.
2: Collects back in the left side. And then from there?
0: From the left side. In fact, if you were to, if you were to show me a heart out of context, I can tell you what's left and what's right. I could, I could orientate it just by how thick the muscle is on one side compared to the other. It's a, it's pathological, at the right side. There's more muscular, than more left. Mm. And the right side is very agile, it's very thin, it's just, it's just purely passive. All the pumping comes from the left side. And the, the blood is the only, yeah. I mean, there's no, I reckon mean, when I first learned this the character.
2: How, how long does it take for the blood to circulate the whole body, back and forth?
0: Good question, you know, there's something, in, uh, cardiac, there's cardiac output how much per minute, like the velocity.
1: So, like, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know, how, how long would, like,
2: one... Minutes.
0: Seconds. Minutes. Minutes. Go for miles of, miles of arteries. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.